Genesis 39. We're going to pick back up uh, in the life of Joseph. We took that pause from 37 where he had just been sold to the Ishmaelite traders, right? And taken to Egypt. And we paused there and went through uh, the account of Judah and Tamar and uh, all that transpired in that, that we saw at the end of it, although it was such a mess and uh, so many things were done wrong, um, that we see the Lord was working and that those two are named in the lineage of Jesus Christ and in his genealogy. You can find that in, uh, as it right listed in there. So uh, not only Jesus, but King David. There was a lot that happened out of a uh, pretty tragic life for Tamar. And now that we've studied Tamar's life um, and that, that uh, all that occurred in Genesis 38, we move back to uh, the camera lens, if you, if you will. Uh, the focus now shifts back to Joseph's life. And uh, Joseph had just been uh, betrayed by his brothers uh, who had planned to kill him. And they decided, no, we'll be nice guys and uh, we'll just throw him in the pit and uh, figure out what to do with him. And then they decided, hey, uh, you know, he's 17 years old and everything. Why don't we just sell him? So they sell him. They sell him and um, he gets taken to Egypt. And um, the Ishmaelites will see that, that they... Uh, it says right at the end of uh, 37 that he was sold uh, uh, to uh, in Egypt. Now, he was sold to Potiphar, and Potiphar is a captain of the guard, uh, which is a high military rank, a man of a lot of power. And uh, so he gets sold there, and, and we'll see what ends up happening in his life. But uh, uh, as we look at things, it's kind of a little bit of a setting before we jump into it here. So verse 1 says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar... An officer of Pharaoh, uh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites and took him down there. So he uh, Potiphar meets up with the Ishmaelites, which we were familiar with, that he was being taken down to Egypt. And uh, Potiphar meets them and and buys Joseph and, and brings him, and, and he serves in Joseph's house. Now this seems to have the making of a tragic story. Where his brothers just did that to him. Now uh, he's being brought further and further away from home. And now he's in Egypt. And uh, he's serving in the house of Potiphar. Uh, who is a uh, captain in, in the Egyptian military. And uh, so he is uh, a man of, as I just said, a, a very high rank. And um, as we look at this, we uh, a little bit of a fast forward and a spoiler alert. alert. I know I say that, but. It's really what's happening is God is working in Joseph's life. Because if you remember a few chapters back when Joseph went and presented to his brothers a dream that he had, right? Remember when their sheaves bowed down to his sheaf, right? Uh, and then uh, the stars, the, the, the sun and the moon uh, and the 12 stars all bowed down to him. And uh, they're like, wait a minute, you know, and he was getting corrected by Jacob. Uh, if you recall. So it, there was a lot going on, uh, but he was uh, given those dreams of revelation. And we learn that Joseph has a dream of a, the, the gift of interpreting dreams. So uh, there's a lot happening here that as you kind of try to piece this all together, uh, just understand that the Lord gave him this, this those two visions. And that's something that he can carry with him and to give him hope in this time. So, But we know that uh, the Lord was at work 
and uh, not just to save Joseph's life, but to deliver Joseph's very brothers that had betrayed him and sold him away. Right? When we get into the story, I, I love. I, I know when we when we started in uh, covering the story of Jacob's life, I was sharing how excited I was because I I love. Uh, so many different facets of, of what happens through him and how God works uh, in his life. And some of the things that are said uh, in dialogue. So uh, but what we see here is God is, is developing a way to uh, deliver Jacob and the rest of his sons and, and provide for them in a time of great famine. So this is, uh, as, as what is happening here is unfolding, just know that the Lord is at work. Um, also understand that he's 17 years old, but that he's a man of character. Remember, um, when he uh, turned in his brothers, brought in the bad report of his brothers to, to Jacob and obviously made him even less popular. They already didn't like him because he was dad's favorite and he had the special jacket, the special uh, tunic, right? And uh, so we know that he was willing to do the right thing, even though it was going to give, uh, maybe put him in a bad light. But uh, you know, we can um, uh, we can learn a lot from him. And, you know, we might believe that when things don't go well for us, we're not in the will of God. You ever been there? Well, this wouldn't happen. If I wasn't in the will of God, my car wouldn't have broke down on this trip. Or this wouldn't have happened. This wouldn't have happened. I must not be in the will of God. Be very careful with that. Because then we can get to the point where I must be in the will of God if things are going great. How many times have we witnessed, and, and we even see in the scripture where, uh, you know, David or or whoever uh, might be crying out and 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 saying, "Why are these? You know, why do the wicked prosper?" And and you see all these things that things seem to be going well. You know, God's blessings don't always mean God's approval for what's happening in our lives. So don't we can get very caught up in, "Oh, well, this happened, so now I'm, I must be in some sort of sin that I wasn't aware of, and God's mad at me today because my shoelace broke." Right. And, and my shoelace wouldn't have broke if that, if God, if God wasn't um, happy with me. So look at his life. Look, he's he from all that we see here. There's there's no great sin revealed uh, from his life. But look what happens in his life. He had just got, you know, thrown into a pit by his brothers and they're laughing, eating their lunch, listening to him whine and cry. I say whine, but a real whine. You know, he's crying out to them. And then sold to Ishmaelites and then sold again. You know, you might think, okay, what did I do wrong? You know, I got to put these things together. And uh, sometimes we just need to uh, just continue to trust in the Lord. Easy to say. I, I understand. That's an easy thing to say. But when we can see how these things all work out for good for him, then let that be a lesson to us that it's not uh, that we're not promised in this life that we're never going to have hard times, right? We're told like they're coming. And that those trials are going to be things that sharpen us, that build us, that build character in us, right? As James 1 tells us, you know, so, so don't ever think because there's a trial in our lives, just because there's a trial that we're not in God's will. Uh, we discussed on one of the, in one of the services on uh, Job, you know, consider his life, you know, what he was going through. So there's a lot going on in his life that uh, seemed to be negative. We know that God is uh, at work. Verse 2, the Lord said to Joseph, uh, sorry, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. 
he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. They, then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had and in the house, uh, in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had uh, in Joseph's hand, and he did not know where, uh, what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So quite an interesting uh, continuation of, of what we're looking at here. So if you look at verse 2 and verse 3, we can easily read over the key verses, uh, the key phrases that are in these verses where it says the Lord was with Joseph. By the end of this chapter, that is said four times, that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord is with Joseph. That's the whole key to everything that's happening here, is that the Lord was with him. It wasn't that Joseph was all just special all you know by himself and everything, but God was doing an amazing work in Joseph's life and through Joseph's life, so much so that it's affected Potiphar's house so much that he's taken a slave and he's put everything under his control, everything, where it says that he doesn't even know what he had except for the bread that's put in front of him to eat. That's total trust in somebody. That means that, that he's not looking at Joseph and saying, I don't know about that, I'm going to hold it back. Everything. Joseph, if there was you know, the special safe that has the thumbprint and the, the handprint and all the, the codes and everything, Joseph would have had it. Everything was under uh, was under Joseph's care because the Lord was with him and Potiphar knew it, right? Where it says that Potiphar, in verse 3, and his master saw the, that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all things, uh, made all he did to prosper in his hand. That Joseph was a faithful servant. And as he's serving, God is just, just blessing everything that he's doing. That, that uh, you know, when we saw it, we already saw the character in Joseph's life. And as he's here, Joseph is taking that character and he's bringing it into his current situation. And everything that he does is, is being blessed. You know, this is a huge game changer that to understand that his success is from the Lord. The Lord being with us is the big difference. You know, Joseph could have, by his, if he was in his own strength, could have said, just thrown in the towel, said, you know what, I'm done, I quit. You know, my brothers just sold me, uh, here I am, I've been sold again, and I, you know, I'm in a, a place that I don't, I, I don't know what to do and everything, and uh, we see that, that God uh, wasn't done with him. And there isn't a whole lot of dialogue telling us what was happening there, but what we can gather from Joseph's life. And that he he was a man that would a young man very very young not seventeen years old that he would at, even at that age go and tell on his older brothers and I say it that way but it's literally what he's doing you know it brings a bad report it's not that he made up a bad report they were doing things that were wrong and Joseph went back with an honest report for his father so uh, Joseph here we talked about it he understood his dream from the Lord 
he understood what that meant. And, you know, I wonder, you know, how that how that played, you know, into it and and helped him deal with his emotions. Right. Because we this is kind of one of those things that, you know, the Bible's silent on it. So we have to be a little bit careful. But you can you can take things and, and go, oh, OK, you know what? It seems right that based on what we see here uh, in his life, he had these dreams and he believed those dreams and. Uh, maybe that's what he, he had to cling to. And he realized that at some point, you know what, I've got to trust these dreams. I, we don't know. We don't know everything there. But uh, we know here that uh, what, everything that he's doing uh, is is becoming successful. And, and the Bible calls him a man here. The Bible calls him a man. He's, he went there a boy, 17 years old. You know, you can hear of crimes that happen, right? Pretty heinous crimes by a 17 year old and they'll call it a 17 year old boy you know it, i have a hard time with that sometimes when you consider how they uh, you know what they did or 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 whatever it is but we see him described here as a man and uh, he wasn't uh described as a boy and you know as we look at america today we need to be mature we need to be of character like this uh, young man was you know, uh, not having the mindset of, oh, they're only 17, they'll grow out of it. Sometimes we need the stuff and beat out of us to grow out of it, right? You know, there's a lack of discipline that's happen happening in this country um, from the home all the way through. When I hear uh, teachers saying, you don't know how bad it is in public school. I've got kids swearing at me. They won't do their work. They're doing all these things. You know, it, it's a result of us as, as a, a country turning our back on our maker. We've turned our back on the Lord, and look what's happened. As, as we do, then uh, that trickles down, doesn't it? That there's no structure in the family. There might, it might be a fatherless family. You know, think of all the, all the problems in this country due to fathers walking out on their families. And how many people do you hear of? Story after story after story. I grew up, no father in the house, no father in the house. Don't remember, sometimes it's the mother that leaves, I get it. But the majority of times it's the male that, that leaves. Now Joseph's life, I mean the house was, was in disarray. Uh, over it, it, several times we've read that, right? There was a lot of favorites being played between the wives and the kids, and all those things. But Joseph grew up and understood what being a man of character was. And we know that as he's in captivity in Potiphar's house, that, that he is uh, being entrusted to serve. So that means he had to get to the mindset, whether it was immediately or it took a little while, where I'm going to serve and I'm going to serve as best as I can. And he notices that the Lord, he knows that the Lord is with him. He sees it. Potiphar sees it. And as uh, the favor is growing in Potiphar's eyes, Potiphar's just, just turning everything over to him. So he is uh, no doubt, uh, you know, he's he's in a, a pagan society and he's in a pagan home and uh, he is uh, displaying godly attributes. And so much so that that Potiphar sees that God is blessing him uh, and uh, is uh, just so ready to uh, entrust him with everything. And going back to, you know, where we're at with our youth, you know, are you it's not too late. For us to minister to our youth, you know, we we have uh, we have uh, our uh, youth here. We've we've got a, a few uh, teenagers that are here. Encourage them. I I know I've said this before, but be encouraging to them. 
because you know what they're dealing with when they go to school, when they're uh, at practice, and you know what they're seeing and hearing. You know, I, my my daughters uh, play for the sports teams in Bucksport. They're homeschooled, but they play for the sports teams, and you know they're like, well, you know, I they they know. We talk to them. Hey, when you get on the bus, you're probably going to hear this stuff and everything, and and encourage them. Don't participate in that conversation. Go sit with the other kids. You know, you know, don't be a part of that. Don't get drawn into that. You know, we can we can make excuses and say that no, you know, we're just kind of a product of what's going on here, and and um, you know, I, I couldn't help it, but this is what I became. No, that's playing the victim. We have the, the if we've trained them up right, and if we are encouraging them to walk with the Lord, they're going to make that decision. Hopefully, at least they know they can make the decision. I realize there are some people that are dealt pretty tough hands. And they're built, they're built, uh, you know, brought up in very, very rough homes and in very rough circumstances. Well, we can speak life, right? We're called to be salt and light. And these kids that, that we have, that we have access to here in this church or kids that visit here, pour out your love into them, you know, just encourage them. Hey, it's great to see you, you know, rather than, you know, ignoring them, you know, when they go up to get their cookie or something, they're going to go sit in the corner, go say hi, you know. Make sure that, you know, hey, just a blessing to see you, right? And and encourage them. And because they're the ones that are going to be most likely the ones that can reach somebody else of their age that's lost. They can go be the salt and light that that person needs, right, that we're called to be. <clears throat> so we see here that, that Joseph was successful because the Lord was with him. And when his master saw it, you know, they uh, um, he, he knew I'm putting everything because as the more he's given Joseph, the more in the house and out in the field that he's being blessed. Right. So once you know, hey, this guy knows what he's doing. He's just he's just, you know, um, you know, pouring it all out and saying, hey, take this, take this. You know, that the, the Lord is causing everything to prosper. You know, no doubt evidenced by um, the way Joseph is is conducting himself. But we know the 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 special thing here is that the Lord is with him. And uh, we see that as Potiphar is, is being blessed, that he's continuing to put everything under his hands. And uh, where, if you look at verse 6, it says that he has so much trust in him that uh, he's placed everything under his charge. And so much so that he didn't even know what he had, you know, except for bread that was put in front of him. That's a lot of trust for a young man. That's a lot. So as you're as you're looking at this, we can we can look really to Joseph and understand. Yes, a, a, a young man of of character and and uh, everything that he's doing is being blessed. But God is blessing him so much that everything and 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 Potiphar's just like I don't even know what I have. Can I eat? You know, whatever he eats, he knows he's got that. But he knows everything is increasing and it's not decreasing. So as he does that, he he has the peace of knowing that God is blessing him. Now, verse 6, the, the second half of it says that Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So not only is he a, a young man of character, uh, he's kind of a looker. You know, he's he's uh, he, he looks good. Um, you know, he's not just a slave that was promoted to this place of honor and power. He's also... Uh, good looking and well built, it says, where it says handsome in form and appearance. So he's a well built young man. 
uh, and uh, you know, attractive young man. And, and we know that that's being said, if you look at verse 7, because something's brewing, right? So he's a good-looking young guy. Verse 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has into my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept anything back for me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So I, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or be with her. That's quite, I mean, those those verses there, uh, you know, those four verses, 7, 8, 9, and 10, there's a lot in there to chew on. A young, good-looking guy is now, now Potiphar's a, a powerful man, no doubt has an attractive wife. And now she has longing eyes, it says, she cast longing eyes on Joseph. And, you know, considering where he's at, that he's been promoted. And uh, no, I wonder that Potiphar might have been bragging him up a little bit, too. You know, I wonder, you know, when you see everything that's being put out there and that Potiphar has placed so much trust in there. I wonder if he's talking to his wife like this, this, this guy's got it. You know, I don't have to worry about anything. So she sees that he's smart. He's good looking. that Everything he does is being blessed. And she's got longing eyes uh, for the young Joseph. He's clearly in a position of favor. So she takes notice of him, casts longing eyes, and becomes very bold and upfront. <laughs> Lie with me. That's just flat out. She comes to him, and and uh, you know this is uh, this is a scary thing for Joseph because you know Potiphar's a powerful man, and uh, we uh, like I said, uh, it's. Uh, I conclude, as I study through this, being so powerful that he has a drop-dead gorgeous wife. And uh, and, <laughs> and so they are, uh, uh, you know, this is, this is all um, uh, coming together for uh, something that's uh, not going to be so, uh, so much of a blessing to Joseph. We'll put it that way. But we saw that Joseph refused. You know, if you if you look at Joseph's uh, response in verse eight, it says, "But he refused and said to, to his master's wife." And he has to tell her, "Look, he has trusted everything to me. Everything. He's trusted me so much that he doesn't even know what's in this house. He's committed all things to my hand. There is no one greater in this house, nor has he kept anything back from me, but you." She was the only thing off limits. Everything else was fair game for Joseph to do what he needed to in that house with. He didn't like the color of the walls. He can paint the walls if he wants to. You know, he, that he, everything was under his, his control. The one thing he couldn't have was her. And he makes that very clear uh, to her. And uh, when he says, how can I then do this great wickedness and sin against God? Sin against God. Right. This man has trusted me with everything, but he realized the true sin is against God. Right. 
Remember David had taken Uriah's life and David saying, against God only have I sinned, right? No, no doubt he, he, assigned, uh, he had sinned against Uriah. No, no question. But David knew who he, had to, who he had to be reconciled to, and that was the Lord. And Joseph uh, is saying here, how then can I do uh, this great wickedness and sin against God? And I, that wasn't enough for her. It wasn't enough for her. So it says, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he would not heed her. She, you talk about sexual harassment. This is day by day. He can't escape it. He's a servant in this house. It's not like he has somewhere else to go. He's got to be there. She knows he has to be. She is pushing him right into a corner is what she's really working on. He refused. An encouragement there of, you know, he, he has the opportunity to do this. And uh, not only did he refuse, it was a day, one time, it was a day-to-day -day thing that he constantly had to be, no, no. And he had to do it respectfully. You know, he had to be careful how he talked, right? He had to, like, that's a rough spot for a young man to be in. He's a good-looking guy, uh, you know, in form and appearance. She's no doubt a good-looking woman, and he's being just, just uh, pursued by her. Now, he could have said, well, you know, I brought into all this, and, uh, you know, she's not going to say anything and, you know, put his life into immediate jeopardy. He could have done it. He could have compromised. You know, probably going to get caught with so many people around, whatever it was. Joseph, that's not what he says, though. No, I can't do that. I'm going to get caught. He says, no, I can't do it because there's one that sees me. There's one that knows me, and I can't sin against him. He knew that was wrong, and he told her that's wrong. He refused. There's a re there is a great lesson for us when sin is throwing itself at us that we need to be prepared, we need to be watchful, we need to be vigilant. Sin can and will throw itself in our face at the most inopportune moment for us. And uh, uh, we are called in the scripture, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, drawing us away, drawing us away. How am I going to get him away? How, sin. I'm going to introduce this, 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 and this. Sometimes it's our own flesh that's doing it. Proverbs, would you turn with me to Proverbs 7? I say turn with me. I have them printed out on my sheet of paper here, so I'm cheating. Proverbs 7, we're going to read through uh, this entire chapter. As soon as I hear the, the paper. <laughs> Good? Find it? Cool. Proverbs 7, verse 1. Solomon is writing this. It says, My son, keep my words. Treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live. And my law... As the apple of your, of your eye, bind them 
on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Wisdom and understanding. One's your sister that would be a close relative to you. One's your best friend, right? Nearest kin, best friend, however you want to look at it. Keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress, who flatters how with her words. She walks right up to Joseph and says, lie with me. Just presenting the opportunity right now. Do this with me. Take part in this sin with me. For at the window, verse 6, of my house, I looked through my lattice, and I saw among the simple, I, per I perceived among the youths, a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her, her corner. And he took the path to her house, and the twilight in the evening, and the black and dark of night. Now, consider what's being written of here. Somebody's looking through and they're seeing a young man devoid of understanding. Someone who, because if, if you if you go back to verse 4, it says, call understanding your nearest kin. If you don't have understanding, this, this young man that's being described is someone who does not have a, 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 the understanding of what's happening here. He's devoid of it. And he's passing along the street near her corner. And he took the path to her house. So he's walking at night, and it's, it describes in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark. Isn't that often, if you look back in your life, the time when we would sin the most at night? Usually during the day we're too busy doing something, like working, right? It's at night, right? At night is when uh, that sin is going to call out to us. Hey, let's partake. Let's partake. Let's draw, the, you, know, draw you in. You know, years and years ago, I remember hearing Ken Graves talking to a bunch of men, talking about the, the uh, dangers of being up late at night and flipping through channels. Because what's on late at night? Bad things, right? There are bad things that are, are on because it's not acceptable. <laughs> well, in today's world, who knows? But it's more acceptable at night. The opportunities come to fail more often when at night when we're tired, our flesh is weak. So that take into consideration we're tired, our flesh is weak, and opportunity arises, right? Those weak points. Look what's happening in this man's life. You know, it says in, in verse uh, verse 9, in the twilight of the evening, in the black and dark night, and there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. So she's dressed uh, to impress, and uh, she has a crafty heart. She sees him coming, is really what, what's, uh, what we're seeing here. Verse 11, she was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times, she was outside. At times, in the open square. So he had seen her kind of lurking around and, and uh, doing uh, doing things, and he, he knew who she was. And, um, in the open square, it says, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him 
With an imprudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have my vows. So I came out to meet you. Can you see the fangs? So I came out to meet you. Going to make him feel extra special. She's. I, I have a feeling this guy's not that good looking. I just. I, I just don't think he is. He's devoid. He's young. He's kind of stumbled through. I think he's kind of a loner. I, this is just my personal opinion. As this story is being, you, you know how, like when if you read something, you know you kind of you kind of start looking and you're like, I wonder if it, you know, the sun was shining through uh, the leaves and it hit this way. Were they in the shade or were in the light? You know, there are certain things that you kind of like color in there. I don't think I think this guy has some serious confidence issues because she sees him coming. She sees him coming and he's devoid of understanding. He's not the sharpest tool, right? She sees him coming and she says in verse 15, so I came out to meet you. She had no idea who it was. She's lurking around looking for anybody. So when she sees him, she needs to make him feel like he's the important one, right? Oh, you're the one I've been looking for. Diligently, uh, I came out uh, to meet you diligently to seek your face. And I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored uh, coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. If you don't see the fangs, <laughs> right? I don't know how she's covering them, okay? She wants to devour this young man. She, I mean, she's just saying, oh, my bed is all made and it's covered with aloes and cinnamon, does it say? You know, it, you know cinnamon, it smells good and everything. This looks good and smells good. And don't you see me? And let's take our part in lust is what she's really saying. You know, let's take our, our part in love. You know, just understand the word love has been so perverted. I think we all here in this study understand that. It has been so perverted and so cheapened that we'll call anything love. Now let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us delight ourselves in love. <clears throat> as she's saying with a hiss. <clears throat> Verse 19, for my husband is not at home. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> my husband is not at home. Right? For him, that sounds good. For anybody else. Remember, he's devoid of understanding. Hey, that bed smells good. She looks good. The husband's not at home. This, this is all seeming great. My husband's not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Enticing speech, flattering lips. There are a lot of warnings in the scripture about enticing speech and flattering lips. Always leads to something bad, right? Flattery, you know, uh, when, uh, what did, oh, uh, Will would call it his baloney meter, right? You know, the flattery, you know, flattery is something we need to guard our hearts from. Guys, when you sit, guys, ladies, guys, anybody, if we were in the South, I could just say y'all and it would make a little more sense, right? But um, but uh, we have to guard our hearts, right? It, it, flattery itself, uh, to me, has, uh, whenever I've seen it or, or heard of it, uh, has always been like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> but, but this woman knows how to talk to this guy. 
She saw him coming a mile away. She's looking around. She spotted him, even though it was dark. She saw him, and she just starts licking her chops. She's waiting for him to come. With, flat, with her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went with her as an ox goes to the slaughter. Ox is walking around, doesn't know they're getting slaughtered. I know somebody. He's uh, very, very high, high up in, in uh, the uh, USDA. Started out uh, in twenty-something uh, years ago, and now he's a DC level guy. You know, uh, you're talking about a uh, national level guy, and uh, he would tell me. I'm like, all right, tell me about the slaughterhouses. Like we're sitting there eating lunch, and I'm like, tell what is it like? And he's like, they have no idea. They just it's like a thing that just stabs them in the back of the ear or whatever. I don't. Re Forgive me, cause, but they would just, it's like a big nail, punk, and they drop, punk, they drop. Sometimes they just get shocked, and I don't mean to be gross or anything. They have no, I'll just stop there. They have no idea they're going in to get slaughtered. It's not like they're going in, you know. They, it, as an ox is being led to the slaughter, it says here. Or as a fool to the correction stocks. Now, that's a whole other, stu whole other study there, right? Verse 23, till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Don't ever think... I'm strong enough. I can handle this, right? There's the warning right there from King Solomon with godly wisdom. Remember when Solomon took over, what did he ask the Lord for? Wisdom, right? Verse 27, her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. That's not the house you want to go to, right? You know, think of the house like, you know, as a kid. Okay, I'll, I'll use the example as a kid going trick-or-treating, right? There are certain houses we're not going to, right? I'm not going there. I'm not going to go get cookies from that person. You know, that's a creepy-looking house. You know, when I was a kid, I'm not sitting here making an endorsement of, of Halloween. Don't, don't go there. But there are certain things that are obvious to us, right? We're not going to go certain places looking for certain things. Her house, it says, her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. So was Potiphar's wife. She's just like this lady. Just like her. My husband's not home. Come lie with me. Right? She wants to do the same thing. And day by day, she's just pounding down the doors of, of uh, Joseph's mind, trying to get into his heart. Like, let me in. Let me in. Constantly has to be on guard. That type of woman that we just read in, in Proverbs 7 is what he's dealing with. She can't be that obvious, but it's the same thing. My husband's gone. Come lie with me. What was she saying in those day by day? We don't know. But we as Christians have to be on guard of failure, of sin drawing us in. Not just, this is particularly talking about sexual sin. This can pertain to anything. You could, you could take that right out and you could place anything in there. That enticing words, those things that are going to trick us and draw us in, right? Promise us the best of things. Oh, I got myrrh and aloes and cinnamon and my husband's not going to be. We got all kinds of time. We can spend the whole night together. We can do all this and that. It's always 100% of the time a lie. 
It's a lie. Straight out of hell. We as Christians need to be vigilant. We need to be ready. When you consider Proverbs 6, 34 and 35, when uh, you think of adultery here, it says, For jealousy is a husband's fury. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He, uh, he will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, through, uh, though you give him many gifts. You know, there's no way. Uh, you know, when you take part in that, that young man that got led down into that harlot's uh, adultery, adultery into her adultery at that house, the house led to, you know, hell and death. I mean, that's not the place. Like, you don't want that over, you know, the, the entryway to your house. Remember, we've talked about, you know, you want scripture there and everything. This is, you know, she's got that covered up. She's got a veil over that or whatever, right? Yeah. Just know sin is persistent. Powerful vices are persistent. You know, this could speak to a lot of things. Adultery, pornography, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is that will just draw us away from God in our lives. We have to be vigilant. We have to be ready. We can't compromise. Joseph, in verses 8 and 9, tells his Potiphar's wife, no. You know, he knows that Potiphar trusts in him, that, that he's got such that, that so great a trust in him. There's no one greater in his house other than her, uh, the, uh, than him. And there's one thing that he can't have, and it's her. And he says, how could I do this and sin against God? She's persistent, and she pursues him day by day. You know, uh, you, you, you think of uh, these things. What she's trying to do is beat him down, to weaken him. Okay, that didn't work today. I'm going to dress even, even you know, more scantily or whatever the next day. I'm going to create a better situation. He won't be able to resist me. You know, all these things, you know, just, just calling out all these things that she's trying to do to call him into sin. And he wouldn't give in. And that's a great indication of his character. He wouldn't lie with her or be with her. So he stood on his convictions. He knew that it was wrong. A few things about sin before we move forward. Uh, it will draw and it will entice us. It will work at different angles, even twist the scripture or doctrine. You can do this, right? What, what, did, what was Satan's first, the first way when, when he went to Adam and Eve and he's talking to Eve? The first thing he said was, has God really said? Right? Has God really said? Questioning the word of God. They are enemy. And, and those things that want to take our lives will twist the word of God. We'll twist the word of God in our hearts and our own desires, right? When we see, so, I really want that. That's going to bring me, when we go along with that, we'll twist it around and go, oh, well, no, I can, I can make provision for that. No, we're told not to make provision for sin in the scripture. We have to stand strong in the Lord. can't get complacent and we can't get to a point where we feel like we'll never fail i was talking to a brother recently who was talking to another brother that's on like cloud nine spiritually you know like oh i'm gonna conquer the world i could never sin i have the holy spirit he's like whoa <laughs> breaks 
you're still human. You're still on this earth. Yes, you can sin. Yes, you have the Holy Spirit. Yes, you can disobey him. You know, and he had to bring him like bring him down a ton of pegs and say, look, man, I know you're on a spiritual high, but we got to look at this through a, a biblical lens. You know, you are being sanctified. You're going through the process where God is pulling things out of your life. I'm glad that you don't want to sin, and I'm glad you feel strong. But, man, even uh, we're even told, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Right? We have to be very cautious to understand that we need to be standing in God's grace and in his mercy. And just asking him. Because how many times have we made the vow? I'm never going back to. I promise I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> what happens oftentimes that night, right? The next day, right? We're right back into that. How do we fight those things? With the word of God, which the Bible calls the sword of the spirit. We're called to stand firm and have no compromise. You remember Ephesians 6, we're called to... Uh, gird all the armor of God to have it all on, right? The shield uh, to defend from fiery darts, a helmet to protect our minds, the breastplate to pr to uh, protect our, to keep our hearts, and the feet shod with the gospel to keep us uh, spreading the gospel. And, and, and also that gospel is going to uh, keep us from slipping. The sword that we need to make ready to fight back. The sword is an offensive weapon, right? Well, that's how we fight. That's how we go when we take care of things, right? We got the shield to block and the sword to fight back. How do we fight back? With the scripture itself. Remember Jesus in the wilderness? If you can turn with me for one more thing, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city to set him on a pinnacle, on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You should not tempt the Lord your God. Verse 8, Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. When was he tempted? After 40 days and 40 nights of fasting in the world when he was weak, right? And how did he combat everything the devil that came, came at him with? The word of God. Didn't the devil use the word 
to try to twist the word. Remember we were just talking about that? That our enemy will twist the word of God. And Jesus, this is an important thing for us to know the word, right? To dive right into it. Make the word all that we're about. You know, you're here on a Wednesday night study. You're on the right track, right? To make the word of God uh, a priority in our life. That it would be the thing that keeps us from being deceived and from deceiving ourselves. That we would twist, oh, well, you know what? I, I guess I could, I could just do this this one time. We've had people from this church that, that were in leadership positions in this church, serving on the worship team, leave. And when they returned to their old life, they died that, that one night. Went back to their old addiction and died that night. One night. Very, very sad thing to consider. Sin's, sin isn't anything to be trifled with. You know, when, when, when Satan is there just trying Jesus as he's doing it, Jesus is just throwing the scripture, correcting him, throwing him the scripture right back in his face. We need to know the word. We need to be able to, uh, to use it to help us through uh, the times that are, you know, that thing's calling to us. At that perfect time, right? That perfect imperfect time when it's calling to us, those opportunities. Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16 says, for we, do not, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Lord, you know my struggle. You know what I'm going through. I need your strength to help me in this time of need. When we pour our heart out to the Lord, and and guys, and, and y'all, everybody, an encouragement to all of us here is don't pray that and then 10 seconds later get up and go do what, we, what we're praying that we don't want to do, right? Remember, uh, as uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us, it says, no temptation has overtaken you uh, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Right? That we can just on our face cry out to the Lord. And we're going to see an example here of, of uh, just an extreme that we may have to take in our life. Verse 11. But it happened about this uh, about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, <coughs> and none of the men of the house was inside. So you know what's coming here, right? So he went inside to do his work. None of the men are in the house inside. Verse 12, then that she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I had lifted my voice and cried out that he would, uh, that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. 
So she kept his garment until her his master came home. Then she spoke with him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came to me, uh, came in to me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment and uh, the garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did not uh, did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. So the badgering happened and continued day by day, and uh, now Joseph is just trying to go in and get his job done. You know, he's probably just hoping to avoid her. She's not giving up, and none of the men are in the house. And uh, that's a uh, a bad situation for him. He's alone with her again. He has he has to go do his duties. He has to be in there. He doesn't want to be alone there. You know, a a warning about being alone. <clears throat> you know, if you ever should never see me in that office with a woman in there with the curtains drawn without another lady in there. You know, Billy Graham would always travel with a partner and he'd always send somebody into his room. They literally had people so that they could try to catch Billy Graham, had people jumping out and, and that they would try to get pictures. You know, you know people that were uh, trying to set him up so they would they could create scandals to sell magazines. Billy was smart and he's sending people into the room before he gets there. Very smart man. That's a very wise thing for him to do. None of the men were in the house. He's caught. He's in a bad spot here. She caught him by his garment and says, you know, lie with me. And Joseph <clears throat> does exactly what he should have done. But it didn't seem to work out for him at this point as we read the end of that. You know, she focuses her rage on getting Joseph in trouble. And since he didn't sin with her, she uh, is now at the point where she's offended and uh, she knows it's not going to work. So her her whole thought process changes. Now she's getting vindictive. And she tells everyone in the house, it's funny that nobody heard it. <laughs> I screamed out. No, you didn't scream out. You had the jacket. And then when everything did, and he's already gone, then you screamed out. Notice everybody didn't run in. She had to go get everybody. <laughs> Just hilarious. She said you know, that he's brought this Hebrew in. Hebrews were despised in the eyes of Egyptians. And, uh, so he waits for she waits for Potiphar. She lies to him, gets Joseph thrown in prison. Now I don't know about you guys, but in my study, I'm reading through this and I'm like, she's got his garment in his hand. This is the second time this dude has been brought, like the garment has been like the thing for him. You know, I think he needs a shop somewhere else or something. I don't. I, I just it, it's just you know he he gets thrown into a pit and he gets thrown into a dungeon because of his jacket. You know, when they saw his jacket come, his brother saw his jacket coming, the tunic, oh, we're taking that thing. We're putting blood all over it and saying something ate it, right? Now she grabs the tunic and now she uses it to frame it. We know that he's innocent of the wrongdoing both times, but man, that's that's tough. I uh, I read a short uh, excerpt of a, of a uh, commentary. I have a little handheld 
um, Bible commentary by uh, Warren Wearsby that I love. It's one of my favorite little thing. It's a, a pocket, um, a verse by verse commentary. And uh, he said, and it, it's better to lose your coat than your character. You know, I was like, I got to share that. Better to lose your coat than your character. He pulled his coat. Funny story about the coat. My, uh, my brother, my older brother, and uh, I have two brothers, so it was my older brother. He's two years older than me. And our friend down that lived three houses down from us, um, we wanted to go to this old spooky house in Bucksport. It's like this old, it was an old seminary, a seminary in Bucksport. And they actually just redid it all, but it was all like super dark and creepy in there. And as kids, they all wanted to go in it. I was the youngest and the smallest. So they're like, no, you're coming with us, man. And I've probably told this story if I have, forgive me. But um, we're like at the threshold and, and they're like ready to step in. And it's all like broken down, tore down and dark and everything. And they, as a kid, my imagination's going crazy. Some ghost is going to eat me alive or something, you know. And they're trying to get me in there. Like I said, smallest, youngest, and I was not the fastest of, of the three runners. I was that day. And they grabbed me, hold of my jacket, trying to pull me in there, shed my jacket. I felt like Joseph. Now, you know, looking back on it, gone, crying all my way home, just doing that, getting out of there. To me, it was worth it. I don't care what they do to my jacket. I'm not going in there. You know, he's going, hey, you know, I wonder, did, did Joseph sit there and say, really, my jacket, twice? You know, I don't know, but yeah. Some encouragements from the scripture. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. He literally fled from sexual immorality. Left his jacket behind and everything. 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 3 through 7 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but holiness, right? That that God, he knew that. You know, he was abstaining from sexual immorality because she's trying to keep going, going. He's abstaining from it, saying no, no. When it came to the point, he had to flee from it, right? Like it says in 1 Corinthians uh, 6, which was written thousands of years later. But anyways, the same principle applied. God did not call us to uncleanness, but holiness. Joseph understood that. Remember, how could I do such a thing and sin against God? And we talked about 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Doesn't hurt to go over it again. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But what? Uh, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may bear, uh, be able to bear. The way of escape, that's the addictions uh, study we have right here in this church based on this scripture. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Joseph's in a pit. He's in prison right now. He's back in the pit, right? And, and prison wasn't like prison is today. I mean, he's not sitting there watching cable, playing cards at break time or whatever, right? I mean, this, is, this is bad. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy 
and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. You see a theme? You see a theme? Verse 2 all the way to 21 and 20, 23, the Lord is with him. That big contrast word here in 21, but. Right? He got taken and thrown into prison, but. The Lord was with Joseph. Thrown into prison, but the Lord was with him and showed him mercy and gave him favor. Four times in this chapter, the Lord is with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Four times, the Lord is with him. It's made every bit of difference in this whole situation. And in all of Joseph's life, we see the Lord is with him and gave him favor. As we continue to look at these uh, these chapters that follow. I don't know about you guys, but I've never heard of a prisoner being the keeper of the prison. Right? I'm not going to hand the keys over to the you know somebody that's in there. That just doesn't happen. But it says here that everything that was done inside the prison was Joseph's doing. The prison uh, keeper trusted him so much that even he didn't know what was happening. You sense a theme here? Same thing in Potiphar's house. Same thing here. His dad knew that he could trust him. Who did he send to go check on his brothers? Joseph, right? Joseph has this theme in his life. A man of character under the authority of God's word. We understand that you know there's unlimited results to what God will do <laughs> when we're when we're of that mindset that our character is set and our heart is set on God. That's a heart that God can use and will use because the Lord was with him. Whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. An encouragement here: be men and women of unquestionable and unwavering character. And commitment as we serve the Lord. And watch what happens. You know, if we're holding on to things, we want to be like, hey, I want to be this person at church. I want to be this person uh, out here. And, you know, nobody's got all those things. Just give it all to the Lord and watch what happens. Even in the worst of conditions, you know, you think of what was happening in Joseph's life. God was at work. The encouragement here is to trust the Lord, follow him, love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, that we can read such a powerful encounter in the scripture of what Joseph had to go through as a young man. But to know that it said four times in that chapter that you were with him. Lord, help us to be strong in the face of sin presenting itself to us, not uh, being enticed and drawn in and partaking. But fighting it, Lord, knowing that that we uh, in our character need to uh, bless you and honor you in all that we do and say. We don't want to sin against you. Help us, Lord, to live strong and victorious in our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit reigning in us. That that our lives would be one hundred percent in subjection to your leadership. As you lead, help us to follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and peace to you. Have a great rest of your week.